Welcome to One Chapel. We're a family of neighborhood churches in the Austin area. Our vision is to help people move from where they are to where God wants them to be. It's a place to connect, grow, and serve the communities where we live. You can learn more about One Chapel and how to get involved at onechapel.com. And now, here's this week's message. All right, yeah. <laughs> well, that was a cool little little graphic there. I was like, wow, that was awesome. Hey, a, a couple little things. I want to uh, add some Liberty Hill announcements to that that were not on, on the video announcements. One of those is uh, every Monday night for, for people that are... Are, are brand new to One Chapel. We have a group at 7 o'clock on Monday night called One Chapel Connect. And we just finished up a segment of that last week. So we will not have One Chapel Connect tomorrow evening. But we will start that back up the next week. I also want to let you know that we are going to be doing a church-wide work day on March the 7th, which is Saturday. And just like to invite all of you guys to come, all of you guys and gals to come at nine o'clock on Saturday to help us. We got some projects around the church that we're going to do to kind of get our building into a little bit of, a little bit of shape for sure. And uh, that's going to be great. So, hey, if you didn't get message notes on the way in, raise up your hand nice and high and the ushers are going to come and they're going to get those to you. Okay, so today we have a very, 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 very special treat. We are going to get to hear from our youth pastor, Isaac Gillum. And I, just, I want to say a couple of things about Isaac before he comes up here and delivers the word. So I've, I've known Isaac for probably about two and a half, maybe, maybe three years. And this is how I got to know Isaac, is Isaac and I served on the setup team uh, at One Chapel Austin. And, uh, and Isaac and I would take turns taking out the signs and putting the signs on the street. You remember that? And there'd be, there'd be some days where I couldn't get it and he would come and he'd put out the signs and we'd set up stuff together. And I remember having some of the most wonderful conversations with Isaac as we served on team one together. And, uh, and here's a couple of things that I got to know about him. Number one, I got to know he was a pretty cool dude and I was happy that he was my friend and 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 then I was also got to know his heart while we served on team one together is that he had a heart to serve and he was willing to do anything, whether it be put out signs or take out trash or um, you know deliver bottles of water to a, another section of the church or to do whatever he needed to do and I thought that 's a great guy, and I also got to know that he has a heart that really leans into God. And he knows the word of God. And, and, and I'm really, really blessed by my friendship. I didn't know at that time that he was going to be our youth pastor at this campus. But you see how God does that? He starts friendships. You can never, you can never wait. It's never a waste of time to invest in relationships. Because with believers, they go on for eternity. They last forever. And they're the best investment for sure. So I would love to introduce you to our youth pastor. But better than that, he is my, my very good friend. Come on, let's give it up for Isaac Gillum. Come on, man. Let's bring it. Good morning, One Chapel. How's it going, everybody? Let me set up my Netflix account real quick. Hold on. Okay. Sweet. Sorry. I get bored easily. I'm a millennial, so I need something to distract me. But, uh, all right. First, he stole one of my jokes. I was going to ask about the message notes. I just have to say that was the hardest part of this whole process was getting together message notes that like if you ever preach, 
get advice on message notes. That is difficult to put those together. But first of all, I just want to return that right back and give honor where honor is due. Whenever you, you get an opportunity like this, it is good and right to give honor. And so I just want to honor Pastor Andrew and echo everything that he said to me right back to him. Um, he is an awesome leader. He's a man of prayer and it's such a joy to be under his leadership. And then I also want to honor our whole staff. Um, Man, serving with them is like the coolest thing ever. It's an honor. And then also Team One, a lot of you are on Team One. I honor you. Y'all are the best. Thank you for giving us amazing coffee so that we can look like we are alive in this place in the mornings, Um, you know, doing everything, child's care, whatever you do. Thank you for doing it. Um, I honor you. And then Also, I just want to give a shout out to our TAG students. They are the best people at this church. Yes. Um, We do a lot of crazy things at TAG, and that's on Wednesday nights. Uh, You should bring your children. But uh, we do a lot of crazy things. We throw rubber burritos at each other. We uh, spill root beer floats on the ceiling somehow. Um, We do lots of crazy things. But the coolest thing that we have done is that we have worshiped and prayed and read the scriptures every single time we gather and the kids have pressed in like no other kids I've ever seen and it is crazy. It's motivating to me, inspiring and that's a testament to y'all as parents. And so I just want to say thank you to y'all as parents as well um, for raising your kids so well in the church. All right, are you ready to study the scriptures? Sweet, all right, let's do it. I'm gonna pray and then we'll get right in, all right. Heavenly Father, we love you. We want to honor you this morning. We've come to bless you. Um, Holy Spirit, we want to, what you want to happen in this place to happen this morning. Whatever we want, Lord, we throw it aside and we say yes to what you have, Lord. Um, open our ears to what you have for us this morning, Lord, and speak through me, Lord, um, and help me just not mess it up. In yeah. Jesus' name. <laughs> and everybody said yeah. amen. All right. Turn in your Bibles to Leviticus Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. (laughs) Matthew, Matthew. Some of y'all got really excited when I said Leviticus, like two or three of you. You're like, finally, some good stuff. The meat. All right, Matthew 28, uh, verses 18 through 20. Did anybody bring their old school Bible? Come on. The Pentecostals up in here. (laughs) All right. Sorry. I'm going to get all my jokes out at the start. Sorry. Um, Anyways, all right. Matthew 18 through 20. Uh, Let's read it. All right. Uh, Let's see here. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Have you ever been tasked with something impossible? Like somebody comes to you maybe at work um, and they're like, hey, I need this report on my desk in about six minutes um, and it's a hundred pages. Be blessed. And then they just walk off, right? And it's like, uh, or you know, maybe at school, like our students, they get projects and tests and everything. And then it's like, I, I can't do this. What? Are you insane? And we get tasked with these impossible things all the time. And we're like, well, like what was the point of that? And uh, one time this happened to me. It's happened to me many times. But I guess this wasn't really for me. But this is a silly example. I got to play uh, basketball in college at Oral Roberts University. The Fighting Golden Eagles. Yes, they are 
going to win the national championship this year. Mark my words. Um, but anyways, so whenever I was playing basketball there, uh, we had some pretty intense practices. We had a disciple of Bob Knight kind of was our coach. So if you can imagine uh, how horrible that was, um, it was worse. But anyways, so we had been going for like three hours one day. We're tired. We hate each other. We're ready to go home. And the coach says, all right, I'll give you a couple options here. We can stop practice right now and y'all can go eat at the cafeteria or Julian, the head manager, can run this series of sprints that we would run and he has to run it in 55 seconds and if he completes it, then we can all stop practice right now, go to this steakhouse down the street, we'll all get dinner on the coaches and it'll be great, but if he doesn't make it, we can go for another hour. And so we were faced with a pretty tough decision. Like, should we risk death or should we just like stop it now? No stakes, no nothing. Um, But we were college kids. We were crazy. So we said, Julian, get on the line, bro. And so he did. And uh, so 55 seconds, just for context, that was like what our fastest player ran these series of sprints in. And so these are like division one athletes. And this is the head manager. No shame to managers. I was a manager. But anyways, so he starts running, and without even saying one thing, the whole team starts running with him, and we're all going with him. We're, Julian, Julian, come on. Come on. You can do it. Come on. And then it's like there's literally 54 seconds has gone by. There's one second left on the clock, and without saying anything to each other, we he's like crossing the three-point line, and we literally grabbed him, all 12 of us, and threw him <laughs> across the baseline. This is a true story. And... He slides, hits the basketball goal, and the buzzer goes off, and we went and got stakes. It was the best. All right, y'all have a good day. All right, sweet, I'm done, I'm done. Uh, No, but that's a silly example. But another example, a lot of us were a part of about nine months ago, um, Pastor Ross came to us and was like, all right, we're starting a campus in Liberty Hill. Um, It's going to be amazing. Y'all are all going to be a part of it. Um, Here's the requirements. We bought this building. You have to tear it down and rebuild it in three months. (laughs) And I will say Pastor Ross was here all the time helping. He didn't just leave us hanging. He didn't just give us the impossible task and then um, let us go. But, you know, whenever, uh, and I, oh gosh, I missed it. But whenever we were doing that, um, we were all exhausted all the time, kind of like basketball practice. We were all tired. We were, um, you know, just uh, left. We didn't know if we liked each other anymore. Sometimes it was like really difficult and honestly just flat out pooped. And so I have an example, a picture that kind of sums up how we all felt. Um, let me just first say that I have pants on first of all. So that's good news. That toilet was right there. Um, whenever we were building, rebuilding this. Um, and so this was actually posted on the one chapel Instagram. So it's been approved. Um, but that's how we felt after every single day we were working, just ready to sit down was how we felt. But, you know, when Ross gave us this task, uh, I think I kind of had the same feeling I have whenever, uh, I read this great commission. Uh, we heard it from Ross or, you know, we read this from Jesus and we go, uh, I can't do that. You know, it's, it's an impossible task. You know, and uh, see, here we go. The message notes, they're hard. I'm going to give you your first blank right here. Uh, So what Jesus has called us to do in this 
Great Commission, he's called us to leave an impossible legacy, okay? And so that sounds pretty impossible, right? Um, And so we have this idea and this desire at One Chapel to leave this great legacy, and we talk about it every winter. Um, Actually, the last December, all the TAG campuses, we got together, and we raised a bunch of money, the students did, and we got to partner with a missionary group in Mexico, and we gave a bunch of money to these orphans that they sponsor, and those kids are never going to forget it. It's a legacy that will live on for the rest of their lives, right? And they're going to talk about it. They're going to tell their kids about it. It was an awesome, awesome thing to do. And we challenge people, go leave this legacy, right? And, but that's kind of off. What we should be saying is like challenging people to leave a great legacy because every single one of us is going to leave a legacy, whether you want to or not. You're going to leave a legacy. This one time back at ORU, um, a friend was telling me about this leadership class he was in. And this lady from the news came and spoke um, to the class. And she was just telling all these crazy, horrible stories that she had covered. And so she's telling um, all these leaders at ORU about this. And one story really stuck out to me. She told a story about this guy. He's on death row and he, you know, he'd done something horrible. And whenever you're on death row, um, you can invite whoever you want to, friends, family members, sometimes the people that are glad you're there because of whatever you did show up, whatever it is, you can invite people to your last moments on earth. And so this lady who covered the story, he invited her to his last moments here. And she went and she was hit by the fact she got there and nobody else was there. He had no friends there. He had no family there. The people that he had done wrong were not there. It was just her. But we're still telling this guy's story, even though there was literally nobody left in his life whenever he died, right? And so we are going to leave a legacy. We have to decide, is it going to be a great legacy or is it going to be a mediocre legacy? Now, I think, I hope that nobody in here has the same story as that guy and we don't leave the same legacy. And I think we all have the potential and propensity to leave an an eternal uh, generational shaping legacy, right? Um, But go and make disciples of all nations. Jesus says this to us and it's this impossible task. But I want to tell you this morning that whenever Jesus tells you to do something, he doesn't ever tell you to do something that he cannot do. Okay. And I'm going to say that again because some of y'all missed that. Okay. God will not tell you to do something that he cannot do. Okay. And I'm going to show you what I mean. Okay, so he tells us, go and make disciples of all nations. Okay, so I picked a nation to talk about this morning. And I picked England because my mom, my beautiful mom is here. She's from England. So if you can't see her, she's the one with the British accent. And my dad is next to her. He's the one that if I'm doing good, will be yelling, glory. So that's my parents right there. And my wonderful grandma's right next to them. Yes, there we go. That's him. That's my dad. Okay, so... You can recognize him. So I got one British accent, one West Texas accent. Okay. But England, okay. If I asked somebody, can you disciple the whole nation of England? The answer would probably be no, unless you're crazy, right? And so England is a small little island. It fits inside Texas seven times, right? So it's a tiny little piece of land. Granted, it does have 50 million people on this little island. But by 2025, England is projected to have 4% of the population be regular churchgoers. And so Jesus says, go and disciple nations. And then we look at a country like England that was literally founded on the gospel. And we're like, uh, what? 
But the good news is God won't give us something that he cannot do. And whenever God gives you a task to do something, he gives you the right tools every single time without fail, right? He's not like Ikea. Ikea gives you these massive pieces of furniture and you're like, God, I hope I have the right tools in here. I have no idea how to use these little rubber screws or anything like that. And I have a picture, I think, uh, to explain it. Yes, there it is. Okay, this is my living room and my wonderful apartment. Um, So both my TV stand and the coffee table are from Ikea. So I'll show you right here. Okay, look, this thing is broken right here. Doesn't fit. It's impossible. It won't fit, okay? We paid for this. The TV stand, these drawers are impossible to build. You cannot build them. We have, we have owned these two pieces of furniture for four months. And literally for four months, we have been trying to build these things, but it won't work. God is not like Ikea. God gives you whatever you need, right? Come on. Yeah. Now, now this, you have to know this. You might get frustrated with what God gives you, but it is what you need every single time, right? Look at what Jesus says in Acts 1, uh, 3 through 8. He says, after, it says, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Okay. So now that I'm a pastor, I've been a pastor for, I don't know, five months now or so. And one requirement as a young pastor is to talk in alliteration. It's like just part of the job description. Whenever you speak, you have to speak in alliteration. I don't know who came up with that, but they did. So I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to sum up this passage of scripture in one simple alliteration. All right. So this is in your notes. So make sure you get it down there. You won't produce in your place without power. Okay, let's all say that together. You won't produce in your place without power. Okay, so Jesus told him, don't even try and go do what I just told you to do until the Holy Spirit comes on you. He's saying, you can't do it. You cannot do what I've called you to do without the Holy Spirit, without power from me, right? Okay, so he's going to give us tasks and then he's going to give us the tools to do it. Okay, and before we get the Holy Spirit, he's like, don't go nowhere, Billy, because you can't do it. But once we get it, okay, there's no family, there's no place, there's no people group, there's no enemies, there's no friends, there's no job place that we can't transform to follow Jesus, okay? So that's the good news, right? All, and so now that we know, oh, I need the Holy Spirit, I'm fired up, I need him, right? But some of us, I know, some of us grew up in the 70s, in the 80s, and me, even in the 90s a little bit. We hear the Holy Spirit and we think, you know, swinging from chandeliers and jumping over pews and all this stuff, and we get a little freaked out, right? Kind of like Andrew was talking about earlier. But that's not who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is a comforter, okay? He's a helper, Okay, that's how the Bible describes him. And so I want to tell you this morning how kind of how we're going to do this, fulfill this great commission with the Holy Spirit. 
And so, you know, I want to erase that thought of swinging from chandeliers and jumping over pews and all that. Receiving the Holy Spirit is really simple. You don't have to go to another conference. You don't have to go to another, you know, big, huge prayer meeting that Bill Johnson is leading or something. You know, that would be great, but you don't have to do that. All you have to do is believe and receive. That's all you have to do, okay? The Holy Spirit wants in your heart more than you want him in there, okay? He desires it desperately, okay? Look at Galatians 3, uh, verses 2 through 6. And this is from the message version. I think it's on the Sky Bible for your viewing enjoyment. But let me put this question to you, Paul says. How did your new life begin? Was it by working your heads off to please God? Or was it by responding to God's message to you? Are you going to continue this craziness? For only crazy people would think they could complete by their own efforts what was begun by God. If you weren't smart enough or strong enough to begin it, how do you suppose you could perfect it? Did you go through this whole process for nothing? I love this. It's not yet a total loss, Paul says. So he's basically like, you're not completely stupid. But, <laughs> but it, will cert- it certainly will be if you keep this up. Answer this question. Does the God who lavishly provides you with his own presence, his Holy Spirit, working things in your lives you could never do for yourselves, does he do these things because of your strenuous moral striving or because you trust him to do them in you? Don't these things happen among you just as they happened with Abraham? He believed God and that act of belief was turned into a life that was right with God. And that's good. And Paul is speaking in the New Testament, but that kind of confuses us because Abraham was in the Old Testament. So he wasn't necessarily dealing with, you know, believing the Holy Spirit to come in him, right? He was dealing with God the Father, right? And that's true. But the good news is God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? And so we kind of have three errors. We have the Old Testament era where they were with God the Father. And you know what happened whenever God told them to do something in the Old Testament? Every single time they had faith and obeyed, they did it. Every time without fail, okay? When they didn't have faith, they didn't accomplish it. Then Jesus came, right? And he said, and whenever people had faith in Jesus, they were healed. They were delivered. They were restored, right? And he was pleased. Now we're in the Holy Spirit era and ain't nothing changed. All we have to do is believe and receive and we will do what Jesus tells us to do, okay? Come on, come on. Shabba, shabba. <laughs> so, so now we know we're created with this legacy, okay, that Jesus told us to accomplish, and we need the Holy Spirit, and all I have to do is ask and receive, and that brings up the last thing, faith. Okay, so we have to have faith to accomplish what Jesus tells us to do, right? And now faith is kind of, I think it's trickier than we give it credit for because we talk about, oh yeah, faith is so important. Faith, faith, faith. You know, I want faith in everything. And then the bills come or, you know, the relationship ends or whatever happens, you know, somebody passes away or whatever happens and faith is like grasping at straws. We're like, uh, where, where did this faith thing go? Right. And then you're like, oh, now I'm caught up back in sin. I thought I was done with this. And you're like, Jesus, thank you for saving my life. I know that you're good and that I'm not, but now I know about my sin too. And so I don't know if I could actually do anything for you. And we come to this question, we wrestle with faith, but I'm here to tell you, stop that. Okay. 
You can do it. Your sin was taken care of on the cross. Okay. So go to Hebrews 11, the hall of fame of faith. This, so this chapter lists a bunch of people that were recognized for their faith, right? It was Abraham, Enoch, um, other people, Abel. Okay. And so Hebrews 11, four says, by faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous. Okay, this is a huge verse for us to grasp what Jesus wants us to do. To do what he wants us to do, we have to have faith and we have to have confidence in that faith. Okay, and so I want to kind of unpack this verse a little bit. So first of all, righteousness. What does that mean? The Bible says nobody is righteous but Jesus. So righteousness means perfect, without blemish, without sin, right? Okay, that's what righteousness means. And then the Bible says that uh, Abel was commended as righteous. So what does commended mean? Whenever I think about it, I think about God putting a little medal over my neck and saying, good job, Isaac, you did it. And that's not what it means, okay? That's silly, okay? What commended means is to bear witness about, to talk about, to think about. So what does that mean? That means that whenever we have faith, God now sees us and talks about us like he sees and talks about Jesus, okay? And so if we live from that, if we live knowing that the God that created the universe, okay, created each one of us, was talking about us saying, this is my son, this is my daughter, whom I love and whom I'm well pleased all the time, how confident would we be going into Liberty Hill, going into our jobs, going into our schools, going wherever we are to our neighbor that we hate, okay, how confident would we be that we can now disciple them and accomplish what Jesus set out for us to accomplish, okay? Your actions do not define what Jesus says or thinks about you. Your faith does. And all you have to do for faith is believe it, okay? So there's two things that, there, that these people in the Hall of Fame of Faith had, had in common. Number one, I think they had it all in common with all of us, okay? They had the same doubts about God that we all have today. They all had them, okay? And yet we're still talking about them thousands of years later. Okay, so that kind of, that's the common denominator. Their doubts, our doubts about God. Okay, but number two is what separates some of them from some of us. Okay, they went back to God every single time they had doubts. They went right back to him. Okay, they chose to listen to God even when they doubted him, right? And so that word faith, I think is really important to understand if we're gonna do what Jesus has called us to do and leave this impossible legacy that he's called us to leave. Faith is the Greek word pistis, okay? Welcome to class, okay? (laughs) Pistis means to be divinely persuaded by God, okay? Do you know how you get persuaded by somebody? You listen to them. And then you listen to them some more and again and again and again. That's how you get persuaded by somebody. You can't do it any other way. There's no other way to get persuaded by somebody. You listen to them. And then you hear other people talk about how good what they said was, okay? That's the only way to get persuaded. It's not about this moral striving that Paul was talking about. Man, I'm gonna get faith. I'm gonna do these things. And because I, because I see this, because I do this, I'm gonna get faith. No, it's not like that. It's by listening to them, okay? And our old school Pentecostal Bibles, okay? Okay? He wants, <laughs> come on. He wants you to leave a big legacy, And that's why he told you to disciple nations because he knew to do this, you're going to need him. God never tells us to do something that he, that doesn't draw us back to him because that's all he cares about is drawing us back to him. He's obsessed with us. 
Okay? And so my question for us today is, are you persuaded by God? Okay? Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Nothing else, right? Are we persuaded by God? Are you persuaded that God would leave heaven, come to earth, and put himself on a pole, on a death trap for you? to restore a relationship with you? Are, you. are you persuaded that he did that? Are you persuaded that he still cares about you even after you look in the mirror and see your sin? Are you persuaded by that? And so what Jesus calls us to is something eternal. Following him looks like a million different things. And we, you know, uh, but it, it, always looks like, it always looks like one thing. It's always significant. There's a million different ways to do it, but it's always significant, okay? And so the question is, do we want to live a life of success or do we want to live a life of significance? Okay. Because significance, you know, we, today we like to judge everybody by, you know, how many Instagram followers do they have? How many, how much money they got in their bank account? You know, how talented are they? You know, all this stuff. Am I as good at basketball as LeBron James? Yes, is the answer. But that's not, that's not eternal stuff. Okay. It's not going to leave an eternal significance. Okay. Significant stuff always leaves an eternal value, right? He has the power and authority to shape eternity by sending us the Holy Spirit. So we have to come to the realization, okay, that the more we give away things that are not eternal, the greater eternal significance we will have. The more we give away the things that are defined success in this world, the more significant life we will have. Okay, have you noticed this? So Jesus says in his gospel, he says, Give up your life to find life, right? And so what Jesus is saying is to gain stuff in this world, to gain what you want, you have to give it up first, okay? So if you want people to be more generous, what should we be? Generous, right? If we want people to um, know Jesus, what should we do? We should give up our lives for them like Jesus gave up his life, okay? And now I know this one doesn't concern any of us in here because we're at one chapel. But if we want people to quit gossiping and quit talking bad about other people behind their back and behind your back, what should we do? Quit talking bad about other people, okay? Come on. The last thing, we're Jesus representatives, okay? This is my eighth of nine closings, okay? We, we are Jesus representatives, okay? Second Corinthians 5.20 says that Christ is making his appeal through you. You are his ambassador. So when Jesus tells us to disciple nations, what he doesn't mean is that you need a stage to talk to the 50 million people all at once in England. That's not what he means. We have to look at what Jesus did. We're his representatives. Now we have to copy his example, okay? What did Jesus do? He chose 12 crazy dudes, a few tax collectors, a doctor, a guy that would betray him. He chose them, and what did they do? He, he discipled them, and then they started the church, and that's why we're here today. Because he chose to invest in people's lives, and that's what discipleship looks like. That's what fulfilling this impossible legacy looks like. Okay, and so this morning, I want us to get persuaded. I want us to get persuaded that we can do what God has called us to do. Okay, and so I want to close in prayer um, quick, and I just want to respond to whatever the Holy Spirit needs to do in each of our hearts. Okay, so if you would close your eyes for privacy and just think about what the Holy Spirit wants to say to you this morning, who He wants you to talk to. Okay. He wants to persuade you 
the gift of love and peace and mercy that he's poured out on you, he wants you to now pour out on somebody else. The Holy Spirit is a river. He wants to flow out of you. He's not a lake where he stands there, okay? So maybe if you would, just put out your hands in front of you to receive from him as an act of surrender, an act of letting go and saying, Jesus, we want to be persuaded by you. What you want to do in our lives, Lord, we say yes to. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would persuade us this morning. I ask that you would instill in our hearts the confidence it takes to do what you've called us to do, Lord. I pray that we would take you at your word. Lord, we love you, we honor you, and we worship you. In Jesus' name, and everybody say, amen. Thanks for joining us today. If God is doing something in your life or you're looking for ways to get connected, you can learn about groups, teams, and more at onechapel.com welcome. You can subscribe to future messages from One Chapel on your favorite podcast player. And of course, you're always invited to services every Sunday morning at 9 and 11. See you next time.